book of Jude this morning. Um, it's been a good book and we're, we're almost done with the book. Um, I really didn't know how long we were going to stay in the book of Jude. But something was just put in my heart for us as a church and the time that we live in right now. If we could just do like the early church and all of a sudden we begin to huddle around one another, taking God's Word and really doing what they did in the early church where they sit around and they encouraged one another. They had to deal with what was going on in society and they looked to the Word of God to, to navigate through society and how to do it. One of the things that we are holding true here at Cornerstone is that the Word of God is everything to us. That we need to know it. We need to dust off our Bibles and we, get, we need to again go back to it and ask God, how do we navigate through this world? Because, listen, when a church gets shot up, that is devastating. And then they debate, like, why did it get shot up? Was it terrorism? Was it uh, domestic violence? Something like that. And then they begin to make different accusations against the church. And even within articles and in the Christian circle, they're talking about they're downplaying that this was a domestic violence issue. That it happens all the time and that houses of worship are the places that get targeted for such things as this. And yet they don't really look at really the true thing that's going on, not only in the church, but in our nation, is there is a spiritual battle that is going on. So it doesn't matter if it is domestic, terrorism, it doesn't matter. Death is death. Taking one's, another one's life or your own life is not the plan of God. It's very satanic to its root. Destroying God's creation. And as I was looking in the Word this week, and, and it's Hebrews 3, and it talks about God being the builder of the house. It says that, May, uh, that Moses was a faithful servant in the house. But then it says Jesus was the faithful Son over the house. And then it begins to talk, and this is a side note, I don't know why I'm going here, but Hebrews 3 talks about God being the builder. That the builder has more worth and more honor than the building itself. And when I begin to think of this and just think of who God is and what we're facing as a nation and as believers... I think God's got this. I can't help but think if God is the true builder, and although evil exists, it always has existed since the fall in Genesis, why don't I go to God knowing that He has all things in control? Now I realize that we all have um, pain, suffering, and sorrow, and death unexpected, and, and life gets crazy. And even when we sing this song, I believe it, but God is never going to let us down. You know that verse? I cringe. Because I know there are people that come into the house of God on Sunday morning that have had great tragedies happen to their lives. And we talked about this about four weeks ago, is that even though things happen, that God does work things out for the good. He does. We don't see it. We don't understand it all the time. 
but he does. And I'm getting sick of having to talk about the things that are happening in our nation. But we will continue to address it because we want to build ourselves up. We want to look to the Word of God and we want to know that God is in control of this whole thing. And He is. And I want you to know that He is worthy of all our worship, worthy of all our honor, and all our praise. And so this morning when we come together, we don't just come together as a club. We come together as His body. And He is the head of the body. He has this thing in control. And so when we're worshiping the King of Kings together, there's power. When we're gathering around the Word of God this morning, there is power. That He has all things in control. And so I want to encourage you with that this morning. And so as we've been looking at the book of Jude, the thing that goes through my heart and has been is, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit, Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. And last week we talked about praying in the Spirit. We talked about what it was to actually pray God's will, to agree with Him in the Spirit, and know that when we pray His will according to His Word, that it will be done. And that we can take that one to the bank. Because He is faithful. This week we're going to be looking at verse 20 in Jude and, or 21 and to keep yourselves in the love of God. And so I'll hit on three points. That point number one. The second point is walking outside of the love of God. And the point number three is contending for the faith. And the reason I think this Scripture is so important this morning, keep yourselves in the love of God, sometimes there is a thinking within the Christian realm that we have to do it. But we know that the grace of God, that Jesus Christ had died for the sins of all. I did nothing to deserve God's grace this morning. I did nothing to be white as snow to make all my sins go away. I did nothing to earn that. That is a free gift and it's by the grace of God what Jesus Christ has done for us. And so when I talk about keep yourselves in the love of God, we look at that word and the meaning for that word is to guard from loss or injury. Properly keeping the eye upon it. Different from escaping from you. Metaphorically, to keep one in the state in which he is in. So I want you to think about this, and I'll go through the book of Jude as fast as I can this morning, in order that we can eat, and maybe we can get some of the bears in the Packer game. But I want to keep in context of Scripture. See, so often, again, if I had a ball in my hand, and this was my relationship with Jesus Christ, Father God, and the Holy Spirit. So often, just say this is my relationship. Jude is saying, keep yourselves in the love of God. I have a state of being. I am in this relationship. That is who I am. But so often we even treat our families like this that we have to guard that relationship. 
And we have to stay, stay away because you are going to soil my relationship with Father God. And if we think about children, often parents do this. And I've been there. Our son had a minor surgery on Friday and they put him out. And it was scary. It's the first time as parents that we had to have our son be put out. We've had things happen, but it kind of takes it up a notch. Will he awake again? You know, all those things. And so you want to guard that child. You want to do that. And so often we treat our relationship with God as if we have to guard it. We have to keep ourselves in it. But it's a state of being. We keep our eyes on the relationship. We keep ourselves in the relationship. And there's too many Scriptures in the Bible that say, stand firm. Hold on. And it talks about that you are going to be holy and blameless before, the God, before God if you stand firm and hold fast to the Gospel that you have heard. And so the book of Jude, what I would like to say, it's got two bookends. And to help us understand what it's saying, we'll go to verses 1 and 2, and then we'll go to verses 24 through 25. And it says this, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Christ Jesus. May mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. And we know that James or Jude is the brother of James, but he's also the brother of Jesus. And it's interesting that if I was Jude, I'd say, hey, I'm the brother of Jesus. But he says, no, I'm the bondservant of Jesus Christ. And then he says, beloved in God. And this is what we're talking about, keeping yourselves in the love of God. And he says, kept for Jesus Christ. So he's saying, you are beloved, you are kept by Jesus Christ and for Jesus Christ. In verse 24 and 25 say, Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of His glory, blameless with great joy. To the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. So Jude is telling us here, is that God is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of the Almighty, holy and blameless. And he's bookending this book. He's doing that with two things, making two uh, 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 statements that mean everything. And I don't know if you're like me oftentimes is that sometimes I feel in my relationship with God that I am on shaky ground. As if, as if I could lose the love and the affections of the Father. Sometimes we think this because of immaturity, thinking we may be a new believer you don't really understand. Or it could because you struggle in a certain area of your life. You continue not to have victory over the sin that you're struggling with. And so oftentimes we think that our relationship with God will go away. But I want to tell you today that your relationship with the Father is real. 
And I couldn't imagine any one of my children saying, no longer do I want to be a Harris. They could say that, but that means nothing to me. Now, my DNA is in every one of my children. And they are in my family. There is no way, they can do whatever they want, but there is no way that they can separate themselves from my DNA. It is who I am. And our relationship with the Father is the same way. And so when Jude is saying, keep yourselves in the love of God, he's saying, stay in it. And this is important for us to know. Romans 5, if you could turn there with me, verses 6 through 11. And this is where I want to make the point that we have done nothing to earn our salvation. Chapter 5, verse 6 through 11. For while we were still helpless, At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrated His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only this, but we also exalt in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. That is the gospel. That is the truth. And so when I'm talking this morning about keeping yourselves in the love of God, and I know I've said that about ten times, and I'll probably say it ten more times, is that if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord... It's done. It's done. We watched a movie last night on Case for Christ. Wonderful movie if you get a chance to watch it. And what caught me, it's not His going through and trying to disprove that Jesus Christ died and rose again, which that was interesting, but what caught me is that Jesus Christ transformed the life of Lee Strobel big time. And at the end, you begin, I begin to cry, and it wasn't because it was a great moment, but it was that, Jesus, you actually do transform lives. And I think what's happened, and I'm wondering, well, when was the last time that I've seen a life transformed? My heart begins to, urge, uh, to ache and ask God, Lord, I want to see people changed and transformed for your glory. And my life has been transformed by the glory of God. And Morgan Campbell says this, we are to keep ourselves in the love of God, not to put ourselves there. We are in the love of God. Being there, we are to keep ourselves in that love. 
Which again does not mean that we are to remain there, but seeing that we are there, we are to behave as we ought to behave. And so he says something that will go into point number two, is walking outside of the love of God. And as Jude is writing this book in verse 3 and 4, he goes on to say this, Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt, it, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing to you, contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed. Those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into lasitia, uh I can say this word, my southernness can say it. Uh, lasitia, uh, somebody help me. I, I can't understand you. Okay, so yeah, let's go with that. So you that don't get tongue-tied, I saw a funny thing. A guy was joking and um, he said, I'm from a rural place in the country. I live in rural, and because I live in a rural place, I can't say rural. And so it was really funny, and that I was like, I get it. I get it, brother. And so that's what this word's about. Anyway, and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. So Jude begins to write out a book, and then he changes the subject. And you see this word that you guys so well pronounced. It means unbridled lust, excess, shamelessness, unprincipled in sexual matters. Taking advantage of the grace of God. Instead, deceiving others and themselves. You see, I talked about the grace of God and I believe that that, what I talked about was the true grace of God. You see, in the book of Jude, as he was writing this, he realized that there was something that had crept into the church that was real. And they were taking the license of this grace to live like they wanted to live. And you see, keeping yourselves in the love of God is actually doing what God has asked us to do. And and point number three is going to be contend for the faith. And we're going to talk about obedience. But what has happened, and he says these people were marked out for condemnation because they were taking the grace of God and doing whatever they want. You see, in Romans 6, we don't have to go there, but it says where sin is, grace abounds. But Paul says, should we keep on sinning? And he says, heaven forbid, no, we should stop sinning. But as Jude is writing this out, then he begins to go, and we won't go there, but what it is, the condemnation that is going to come for those who desire to live a life how they want to live it. And then also it goes on in verse 4, denying our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. What it's saying here is they are not making Jesus the Lord of their life. And we all know this to be true even in our own lives. At times when we fall into sin, we justify the sin. 
We continue to say, okay, I know the grace of God. I've experienced the grace of God. I know the cross. I know that Jesus took on the cross all my sins so I can keep on sinning. That sometimes can be a rationale. And that's what these people were doing. And Jude goes on to say about their condemnation. And he goes on and says they will be like the people of Egypt or uh, Israel when they came out of Egypt. They were destroyed because they did not believe. And then it goes on and says, the angels who did not keep their domain, there's a place they are locked up in darkness until their great judgment. And then he talks about Sodom and Gomorrah, the cities around them. Since they in the same way as they, these indulged in gross immorality went after strange flesh and exhibited as an example undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. And so Jude is warning the church, keep yourselves in the love of God. Don't do what you want to do. Be obedient to what God has asked you to do. And you see, we do live in a time where we have experienced the great grace of God. And as you mature in Christ, you begin to understand what it is to really abide in the love of God. You understand that you can kind of roll out of your bed, hopefully, on most good days, and know that God has you in the grips of His grace. The only reason sometimes that I can roll out of bed is because I know God's got something for me. And as I mature in my faith, I know that nothing can snatch me out of the Father's hand. But what I'm afraid of today is that we have taken the grace of God, us that are mature, and we forgot that there is a condemnation for those who are not in Christ Jesus. Those who have not made Jesus Christ their Lord, there is a destiny and there is a wrath of God that is awaiting those who are not putting themselves under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I think in our society, we've went this way. We've went from hell and fire and brimstone to the love and the grace of God. I can do what I want and that God is going to save the whole world. But the Bible says that it's through Jesus Christ that men are saved. And and Jude is saying, keep yourselves in the love of God. Do not be like these people. And what are the characteristics and the fruit of these people? They revile things they do not know anything about. Care for themselves. Grumblers. Finding fault with everything. Following after their own lust. They speak arrogantly. Flatter people for the sake of gaining an advantage over them. They cause division and are worldly minded and do not have the Spirit of God. And if you go on to read the book of Jude, this is all there. And so when Jude is coming to this place in Scripture, and he says, build yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God, he was exhorting them to stay where you're at. 
And to know that the Gospel of Jesus Christ is the truth and that through the grace of God you are clean, you are forgiven, but stay in that state of grace. And then we'll go to point number three. And I want to encourage you, and it comes from verse three, where Jude says, contend earnestly for the faith. How do we contend for the faith? How do we actually live in a society today that they turn their back to, even if you say you're a Christian, they turn their back to you. So how do we contend for the faith? Do we do it through apologetics? Do we do it through arguing and getting our way and winning the point? That is not what Jude is saying here when he's talking about contend with earnestly for the faith. What Jude is talking about here is living a life of obedience. A life that says, hey, I am living different than the world and when the world looks at me, I am actually by my actions, by my words, I am contending for the faith. And you see, it's by living it. And honestly, by not living it out, you are no better than a hypocrite. And so when I talk about hypocrisy this morning, what is hypocrisy? It's being two-faced. It's having two faces. That is what it means. It means I act one way, and but yet I do another thing. And you see, oftentimes, the church is accused of being hypocrites. But I want you to know that I believe, I hope, for our church, that the majority of us are not hypocrites. Now, do we fall short of the glory of God? Do we fall short in sin? Yes, the Scripture says that. But it's by the grace of God that we are forgiven. But listen, that grace that has been given to us is so that we can turn from our sin. Does that make sense? It's to turn. It's not to stay in, but it's to turn. Forsake the sin which so easily entangles you. And it says in Scriptures to run the race. And I must admit that, you know, because I have to talk in front of people that sometimes you preach things and you know in your own life that, man, Lord, I need You to work on me in this area. And that's the grace of God. You see, this week CNN was talking to a pastor about some things, or MSNBC, about prayer and kind of making light of prayer. And the pastor stood his ground and said he believed in the power of prayer. But you could hear the undertone of mockery as they were asking the questions. And then after we know about the senator that has been accused or running for Senate, that he's accused of some very bad things. And somebody comes out on his behalf and uses Mary and Joseph as a legitimate reason to be messing with somebody young. That is foolishness. We know that's foolishness. Don't we? If you don't, I'll counsel you afterwards. But my point is, And then it just gives 
the media just that much more to make us look that much foolish. Guys, there's nothing that we can say these days that will change the tide. But I'm telling you, if we do what Jude says to do, to contend for the faith, live out your faith, despite what the world says, that people will begin to see again that this Jesus Christ is real. Because it says in the Bible, they will speak peace, peace, peace. And there will be no peace. That is something you can take to the bank, that there will be no peace until the return and reign of Jesus Christ. I want you to be happy. I want you to be joyful. I want you to love life to the fullest, but it's only in Jesus Christ. Jesus promises that this life will have trouble. So let's not be hypocrites. Let's do our best. And when we do fall down and when we do sin and when we do make mistakes, let's run to the cross and believe that the grace of God allows us to get back up after we've fallen short of His glory. Contending for the faith also means to be obedient. In John 15, verses 9-10. through 10. And I will admit to you today that because of who I am and what God has done in my life, I stand on this side and it's one of those hills that I will not, that I will die on. Is that my faith and my works meet at the cross of Jesus Christ. You see, oftentimes we act as if we just need to sit here now. But that's not what it is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. We know that there's nothing we can do to earn the grace and the salvation of God, but we also know that because of what He has done for us, because He has transformed my life, I am now going to live a life that is worthy and honor of that calling that I've been called to do. And see, Jude is writing to apostates here. And so often we act, an apostate is somebody who rejects what he knows to be true. Oftentimes we treat the ministers as the apostates. But as I was thinking this morning, I wonder how many people are sitting in the pews that are apostates. Have we thought about that? Have we thought and and, and we've examined our own hearts and am I walking in the truth? Have I denied the truth that God is saying to me? You see, sin is when you are obedient or you are being disobedient to what God is speaking to you. And the cool thing about it this morning, I don't know what God's speaking to you. I don't know what you're going through. But you and God do, if you'll be honest. And He's if God is speaking anything to you, it's by His grace to call you back to relationship that is vibrant and real and powerful, that you can contend for the faith. So Jesus says this, and we'll end right about here. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. Keep in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. 
You see, we are not just to argue for the faith, but to also make it habit and determine to put our faith into practice. And the Word promises this to us. If you are a doer of the Word, you will not be deceived. So this morning, as we end, we're not going to do a response time in the worship team if they come forward. We're going to end in two songs of worship this morning. And I want to encourage you this morning is to be a doer of the Word. If you've fallen short of doing, I want to encourage you to fall on the cross. And then I want to encourage you something that we talked about last week is praying in the Spirit. I want to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit to come and help you because I promise you, you cannot live this Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit in you. And that is a promise from Jesus Christ that He resides in you. So this morning as we worship together, I want you to be thanking of this Word. And just respond however. And if you need prayer, the elders will be ready to pray for you and pray with you, whatever you need. And then after service, we'll, um, we'll pray over Stan and Cheryl. So if we could just worship together.